we're also going to be, or actually this past Sunday, instituted another cost of living adjustment. Yes, we normally would do that the first week of May, but recognizing that prices are continuing to escalate, we've decided we need to jump on it and do it now. And of course, we could remind everybody that this would technically be the second cost of living adjustment in advance because we did two last year. Right on that symbol. That's where we hit it. Ah, I was wondering what you're waiting for. All that experience after 100 episodes. I've been doing this for 100 episodes. Yeah. (laughs) It confused me last week. I'm not going to lie to you as to when to lead in. You know, you had the deer in the headlights look as I was listening. Well, that's natural anyway. So. (laughs) Okay. Welcome, everybody. Season 3, Episode 10, On Track Podcast. CFO Tasha Gardner. Good morning. Good morning. COO Eric Ritchie. Good morning. And Safety Specialist. Arthur Herbest. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. This is a good-looking group we got here. We had to take a break from the superintendent foreman meetings and run over here and get a podcast in. We've got really important stuff today. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. So we thought it was hyper-important to, to make sure we get this podcast out on time. And um, first of all, I guess if we go through the outline, we don't have any new project awards to report last week. No, but we're, we've got some verbals that we're dangerously close to seeing contracts on a couple of landfill projects here in Maine. So We keep hearing that, but they keep stretching out, and we've got so-and-sos on vacation, and that's yep. that's the time of year, right? Absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, got a, a decent backlog, and, and we're happy with that. Yes, we are, and we're happy with these couple of projects. They're ones that we had on our radar, so it's right. part of the plan, and yep. uh, uh, we know we'll land them. It's just a matter of getting there. That's all. So we're going to hit the main topic, which is gas prices and inflation, and uh, we're going to try to make that painless. I guess it can't be painless. It's we're going not to try, painless. We're going to try to take the pain out of it for you as as individuals and employee owners here. we got just a little sm- a s- small smattering of shout-outs here. Three. Not enough. Not enough. It's, it's busy, but not enough. But they're heartfelt. They are. Uh, price is right. We had a set of tires for 35-ton articulated truck. And as I mentioned, we've got Arthur Herbest in here to talk safety, and he's going to give us a 30,000-foot view on what's going to happen, uh, what we got for plans uh, in 2022 for safety. So since we got no bids to, uh, to announce, we're just going to roll right into the, to the main topic. And, and uh, it's no secret, right? We're dealing with inflation. Not only inflation, but rapidly escalating gas prices. Yeah. I, I mean, outside of the norm, I... I actually don't remember ever seeing them increase this rapidly in my lifetime. I don't know if you guys, I know they've gone up, but not like 55 cents in a week. No, I, or overnight (laughs) or overnight. Yeah. It it seems like we've seen some volatility, you know, over the years and back in 08, 09 and, uh, but certainly nothing like this. And I, I'd take it even further than the gas, Tasha, as you, as her mentioned inflation, you know, you stop at the grocery store to buy a piece of steak and it's, uh, almost double of what it was just about a year ago. And, you know, it's not see- twice as thick, though. Not twice as <laughs> thick, and doesn't seem to be twice as good either. But uh, <laughs> but no, we're seeing it on uh, pretty much every end that we touch is seeing inflation hit it. So. Yeah, it's and so we know, you know, everybody's feeling it. We're feeling it as a company, for sure. Yes. Um, you know, and that's going to have an impact on on how we look at the end of the year, and that's okay. You know, we're we're all set up for it. Uh, we're trying to price it in where we can, yep. um, and. Uh, but it, it's, I think there was a lot of discussion about the, the inflation being transitory 
temporary. And I think that's kind of been dismissed now that this is really something maybe it won't be the full inflation we're seeing right now. It may recede a little bit, but it's never going to go back, uh, at least the talk that I hear, you know, to 2 or 3%. Um, it, it may after a year or two, but it looks like we're into it for some period. Well, and I know the Fed Reserve has announced they're going to increase interest rates. Um, and the plan was to increase them seven times this mm-hmm. year, although what's going on now with the war between Russia and Ukraine, that might change things a little bit. But uh, that has the purpose of cooling the jets to try to dampen inflation. But, of course, typically it will also cool the economy. Right. Uh, so there's you know a few factors that are and we, we have, have to navigate. And we haven't seen those measures taken by the feds in – Long, long it's time. been long, some long time, time, especially yeah, to had, talk that many increases. They've so. had a very loose monetary policy. Yep. Yeah, and, and so that that loose monetary policy means it's cheap to borrow money. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's cheap to buy a house. It's cheap to borrow money to buy a house. But that gets built in now to the price of the house. Right. Because, in effect, it's like, okay, what payment can I afford and when the payments are less, then the house the house price goes up higher. Yeah, um, and we've seen that, um, you know, just we've seen house prices go kind of out of control. Yeah, um, you know, a house goes for sale and it's on the market for a day or two days, and it used to be, you know, if it took you six months to sell your house, you felt okay about that. And it's been deceiving for me, Herb, because I still remember the housing bubble back in. Was that 06, 08? So yeah. as we watch these prices go up, I keep thinking there's some bubble that's going to burst, and that's kind of what's driving it all. But it's not. It's just pure inflation across the board that's driving everything up. And that lack of housing, even on the rental side, the lack of housing is scary yeah. to see. So different times. So there's there's a, lo- a lot that goes into this, and I'm no economist by any means. You know, I, I did read an article by your friend, Anurban Basu, uh, the economist for Associated Builders and Contractors, and and he's he's always he's always got some nice things to say. You know, he he puts it in a context that even a guy like me can understand, but I can't remember. Um, but it's 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 a difficult thing, and we we've got to deal with it. We know we got folks working here that have to deal with it. Well, and it's everybody everywhere is dealing with right. it. It doesn't really matter where you work, um, but we will do our best to navigate it for our sergeant family. But it's, I don't care who you are, you're feeling it. And above and beyond that, I mean, we're feeling it in certain things here. Um, you know, one little corner of our business that just gets hit and impacted greatly is our asphalt plant. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, looking at asphalt prices, uh, the posting that comes out, it's a consolidated selling price in New England. Uh, DOT posted every week, and that's jumped up over $60 since the season ended with no hot $60 mix being a ton. $60 a liquid ton. liquid ton. So if you take that and convert it over to a hot mix ton, it's close to $4 a ton cost increase just in the production of it, along with natural gas going up, which is probably another couple of dollars an increase right there. So it's it's just crazy to see our costs take those type of jumps when we have done nothing to actually increase our costs. Yeah, I had a friend of mine ask me about who who I might recommend to pave his driveway and I said that I'd I'd wait. I'd recommend to wait a year. Yeah, I it's <laughs> just because of the cost potentially. It's crazy. He's kinda cheap. Yep. Well, and who knows? The last two years has been very difficult to predict what's going to happen over the next three to Well, we were talking at the superintendent's uh, yeah. meeting just a few minutes ago, and it's like, you know, we're making changes every year. Well, no, we're, it's like we're 
we're having to reassess things on a monthly or a quarterly basis. Ever since we started in two years ago, March 2020, it was two years ago next week that that, that the world kind of just came to a slamming halt, and, and we've just <laughs> it's been yeah one hurdle after another. But you know what? We keep hopping over them. I, we keep I, hopping I, over them. I hate to say you almost become numb to it to a certain extent, but uh, just in the last couple of years, all the challenges and the conversations that we've had to have, even seeing this issue, issue pop up, it's kind of like, well, here's the next issue that we have to deal with. We just put our heads down and try to keep getting through it. And you talk so. about uh, being prepared for change, and, and the the big thing that makes you ready for change is resilience. And then, you know, what is what is that defined as? And in a business world, I think it's, it's defined as having resources to fall back on, whether they're financial or whatever, uh, personnel resources to fall back on, um, knowledge reserves to fall back on. Mm-hmm. It's just all these different things that we can fall back on that means we're resilient. And, and I, boy, I think the last two years have proven, I think we've gotten better at resilience and better at, at reactions. And, and, and this, what we're going to talk about is really not a reaction this was intended to be a pro-action. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was intended to be a pro-action. And so, you know, just quickly, we'll hit, you mentioned the gas prices going up like crazy. And, and I, 8, 10, 12 days ago, whenever it was, Russia invaded Ukraine. And that's got the whole world on, on tilt a little bit. And I don't want to get so we're commenting on anything about that or what's going to happen with that or anything else. Uh, but it certainly has had an impact on petroleum markets and yeah, we're a global economy, right? Not, and not just petroleum markets, the wheat market. Amy was talking about that earlier in her health presentation. Is products made with wheat are going to be more expensive? Yeah, yeah and it's and it's crazy to think, but you look at the Russia uh, situation in Ukraine. We don't bring in that much oil to the U.S. from Russia, but the impact it has on Europe. Right. Then brings a global impact to everything sure. because Europe brings in a large amount of their oil from Russia. So now they have to go out to the Saudis or to whomever, and it's uh, it's an opportune time for prices to go up in a lot of places, and we don't have any control over that. And you mentioned wheat, and I think those two countries, Russia and Ukraine, are in the top three wheat producers in the world. They are. Right. So th- just things that you don't even think about would affect us. You know, now Subway's going to go up because they got to buy wheat from somewhere else, I guess. And I didn't know, but I guess Russia is a big producer of nickel and also another component of the chips that go into the vehicles that we already have a shortage of. And so it could make the vehicle market worse. And we don't know. It's already bad. We don't know the long term impacts of this, Uh, you know, ignoring the war portion of it. The economic sanctions that are being imposed on Russia have long-term effects to their economy, and there's just a lot of things that need to be sorted out over the course of time here. So we've been talking for some time, and I don't want it to sound like we drag this conversation on, but we've been talking for a couple months about things we need to do to make sure our folks aren't going backwards financially. Mm -hmm. And one of those has been the mileage that we pay for people to travel to projects and, and so that's that's been one of those things we've been talking about, and now it seems like, you know, this is a response versus a proactive approach to this. But it, it really was a proactive approach, and thank you, Tasha, for for kind of leading the charge on this. But uh, what we're going to do, what we're announcing here as part of the podcast, is we're going to increase our mileage reimbursement, which has been twenty cents a mile. Well, that 
it was 15. Yeah. And right. then last July, we increased, increased it 20. to 20. And at the time, I think fuel prices were in the two eighty two yep. two yeah. 250, $280 range around there. And so, but then when we started talking about, okay, we really need to be thinking about this because now vehicles are more expensive too and wear and tear on vehicles. Then prices were around 330 And so we started crunching numbers on, well, if it goes to 350 uh, so it's been, so yeah, we, just we want to put a program increases. together around it versus just having a reaction yes. every time we had some weird spike in gas prices. And so, you know, we got together last week, the last couple of weeks and, and worked that out and you've hammered out a program so that, um, w- initially we we're going to go to 40 cents a mile, mm-hmm. but if gas went to, and, y- and you've got the table in front of you, I do. Uh, if, if you want to explain what we're going to do. So the there's a little change in how it's calculated also. Yeah. Um, the first 25 miles of wherever you're headed to, your commute, is considered your personal commute or your first tr- commuting miles, we're calling them. And we sort of arrived at that based on, realistically, no matter where you work, you're going to have to drive somewhere to your job. And we kind of polled a bunch of different people and how far do you drive, and we sort of settled in on the first 25 miles are on the individual, and so there's no reimbursement for those miles. But then when you get to the 26th mile and on, we're reimbursing at 40 cents a mile. Not retroactively, like the the former policy was. We're starting at the 26th mile. Starts at the 26th mile. So, um, but yeah, and that is based on a baseline of gas prices up to $4 a gallon because when we first started looking at this, it was around $3.50. Um, so when the gas prices go on average over $4 a gallon in each of our regions, we're going to increase the reimbursement by five cents for every 50 cent increase. And it's crazy to have to be figuring this out, but so it's really on a potentially weekly basis, on a potentially weekly basis. So when we started this, I told you where gas prices were. And every day when I would work on my examples, it was kind of going up and up. And then over the weekend, um, Maine and New Hampshire popped over $4 a gallon and then Virginia did yesterday. So the reimbursement right now is $0.45 cents a mile. If gas prices go over $4.49, they hit $4.50, there'll be an extra $0.05, cents and it just incrementally increases $0.05 cents for every $0.50 cent increase. And conversely, if gas dropped down to three seventy-five, the $0.05 cent premium goes away, and we're back to $0.40. Cents. Correct. So it will go up and down. Base. Yep, $0.40, 40 cents is cents the base. $0.40 is the base. We're not going below 40 Correct. That's so our in effect, what we've done is we've doubled the mileage rate at 26 miles and above. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's logistical questions that people are, well, what miles do I put down? You just keep putting down the same number of miles that you're driving, and we'll do the subtraction in the calculation. Right. Um, one common question that comes up every time we talk about this, so I might as well address the example right now, is, well, we've always capped at 140 miles if you choose to do a round trip and there's no change in that. It's still going to be capped at 140. You'll subtract 25 miles going to and from, and you'll get reimbursed on 90 miles. It is still an increase because you're getting all right. those miles at double what it was before. So you're going to get more money, but we're not changing that particular And I, I, I have to use this opportunity on the 140-mile note just to say with hopefully a lot of people listening, strongly discourage you traveling 140 miles to work. Every day, yeah. um, not yeah. just for your financial um, capabilities, but also your personal just health capabilities. 
doing that over a long period of time, day and night, round tripping it after working a long day, um, your safety and your health is of concern to me personally. And I think to everyone in this room that if you're tripping that five days a week, it can be a lot to add to your day. And by the time the fall rolls around, you're going to be feeling it. And uh, so just encourage you, we provide hotel rooms for a reason. Utilize it. Keep yourself safe and healthy. If you need to trip it, that's totally understand. But I would just discourage folks from doing a 140-mile commute. And that's why the cap is there is so that people won't do Drive that ever. Yeah, it's it's really a lot of it's it's way too much on a person. So you mentioned hotel rooms, and this may be a good segue uh, if we've if if we've gotten all the way through that issue. I'm sure there are going to be questions when people listen to this podcast. We've to- we spoke with about this topic with our foreman and superintendents earlier this morning, so we brought them up to speed, and hopefully they'll have the information they need if there are questions. Um, but we talked about hotel rooms, Eric mm-hmm. mentioned, and one of the things we decided to do is to permanently stay with single occupancy hotels. Yep, we're very committed to that. And that's a big expense, um, but that's one that we think is the right thing. Well, we think it's the right thing through the pandemic. Uh, you know, we were forced to um, initially, but uh, I think we've seen the benefits of it. You know, yeah. it's hard to tangibly put something to that, but just to see the morale of people, um, Herb, you and I have talked. I mean, we both know what it's like to sleep in a hotel room and double up with somebody, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's provided a better quality of life for people while they're working as well. So it's uh, it's it was probably an easier decision this time we talked about it than the last time because we've been able to see the uh, ramifications well, of the good ramifications. Yeah, there's been a lot of like anecdotal mm. evidence we've heard of the, of things that didn't cross our mind, unintended consequences. There always are in these Absolutely. in these decisions. But in this case, they happen to be kind of positive, you know, and, and we heard feedback of, of you know, at least one person, and I'm sure it's more than one, but one person with a young family whose wife came and stayed at the hotel mm-hmm. for, you know, for some period, and the kids got to po- swim in the pool and all that business. And, and I love that. Yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a really good story. Now, I know everybody doesn't have that situation, but um, just being able to to bunk in and you know do your own thing without somebody else's um, you know imposition on your on your space and time uh, to me is is a pretty important thing. And also in that same conversation last winter, um, I got to go over and talk to a bunch of groups of people that came in for training, foremen, craft workers, and they were very clear that they appreciated single occupancy. And they, several of them said to me, I'll give up my per diem to keep my single room. And so we're not taking away from anybody their per diem, but we're also holding the line on it. Um, You know, you could say, well, you should be increasing everything. But I think to hold the line and make sure everybody has their room, we're keeping the per diem right where it was. And, uh, And that was based on feedback of order of importance. What's important? And... Yeah, and that's that was a few people, right, that, mm-hmm. that you heard it from, but it seemed to be universal it across those universal. people. Seemed to be universal, yeah. And so we're, you know, we're projecting that across the crew that everybody would rather have single occupancy than a potentially increased per diem. Right. But, um, but I think it's an important thing to do. Back on the um, single occupancy hotel room, as it as you consider the mileage, now that we have individuals in their own room, it is very expensive for the company if you decide not to use your room and drive home. (laughs) 
without canceling without it. canceling it and you know i'm totally fine with people choosing to come home midweek and i think that's a good probably happy medium for a lot of people but we don't want to pay for both but we don't want to pay for both right and the mileage that's right and so i you know it's and I 80 90 dollars for that room sometimes 100 it would be better to just plan accordingly and we'll pay you your mileage and but we're probably not going to do both yeah uh, and I think that's fair. I think it's fair. And just to remind everyone out there, it's it's your money. It's your money. It's, it's your company. It's your fellow employee owner's money when we're doing those type of things. Right. So it's, it's just being respectful the, of the resource. The multipli- Right. The multiplier effect, the six to one multiplier, you know, every time we do a hundred, call it a hundred dollar room that we waste it, it's $600 to the value of the company. Right. And, and I, I don't think that's a, I don't think there's, you know, just a ton of, of, waste and abuse of that but we just want everybody aware of it that we can't do both we don't want to do both well and before you still needed the room for whoever you were bunking with right but now it requires you to think about it a little bit i guess look what clayton said during our meetings that a few years ago we're trying to accommodate everybody with per diem mileage and room ask clayton what it was like 50 years ago (laughs) (laughs) well i was i was here in 1986 when they rolled out Per diem, and there was no hotel room paid for at the time. <laughs> there was no mileage. There was no per diem. There was none of that. Right. So I was there. That was my third year, I think, with the company. And and I can remember uh, the per diem started at $15 a day. And so I went to the crew and said, okay, I've been told to share with you. We're going to start paying $15 a day per diem. And one of the guys said, what's that going to cover? And I said, well, it's... If you do the math, it's about $300 a month more than it was covering yesterday. Right. <laughs> you know, that's yes. at the time a, a truck payment, you know. Yep. Um, so, w- you know, what we're trying to do is keep everybody whole. We've always said we don't want people to have to take money out of their pocket to work here at the company. Yeah. And I want it to be fair and equitable. And some of our employee owners who are driving the farthest, I want to make sure that they're getting that reimbursement and that they need. And some of them far enough where they can't even go home during the week. They can't. And so I want to make sure that they're at least getting enough to cover some of these increases or, and, or trying to. And we're certainly looking at ways to minimize travel as much as we can. I mean, when we're planning every week, we're not trying to send anybody further from home than they need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not always easy to do and it's not always able to be done, but uh, you know, sometimes the job requires certain things. Uh, but above and beyond that, uh, you know, we will look at certain circumstances if they're extraordinary circumstances. Um, if we're working in a remote part of a state somewhere and the commute from the hotel to the uh, job site is 50, 60 miles because sometimes we get into those situations, right. we'll address that situation as it comes up sure. and make sure people are kept fair and equitable. Yeah, that'll probably be addressed more in the per diem than in the, Absolutely. Than yeah. in the mileage. Yeah. So aside from how now we've got the mileage rate increase. Mm-hmm. Which is in effect right now. Yep. And we talked about the hotels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also go- going to be, or actually this past Sunday, instituted another cost of living adjustment. Yes, we normally would do that the first week of May, but recognizing that prices are continuing to escalate, we've decided we need to jump on it and do it now. And, of course, we could remind everybody that this would technically be the second cost of living adjustment in advance because we did two last year. Right. So this is the third cost of living adjustment inside 10 months. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time we've ever done that. But we knew, or we, I guess. We could sense it we last could, year. We yeah. could tell last year that, you know, inflation was on the move. And 
we didn't want our people to get behind for six, eight, ten months. So we made an adjustment of 2% in July. This mm-hmm. followed the 1.4% we did last May. Yes. So we did 2% in July. And then now we're going with 3% in addition. Right. We told everybody whatever the total cost of living adjustment would be, which is 5%, we'd subtract the two that we already did. And then so we're doing a 3% increase this week. And we're using a different uh, indicator. Yep, we're using the Employment Cost Index, which measures wages. And that's that's a, an index that we did a, a wage study, uh, a compensation study our board did, and that's that's what they use for adjusting wages versus the CPI. Right. And the CPI and you can pull it right up and read it, it, it was a 7% inflation factor, but you read in the very first paragraph that it's largely influenced by increases in the housing mm-hmm. and vehicle expenses because of what's happened in the vehicle market. And that's when we started, when we, and that was in January, and we started saying, well, maybe we need to look at this as two different components. We need to think about the mileage piece, and that was going to be proactive, and then... The wages piece. Yeah. In the, it, if we just said 7% and didn't address the mileage, I think people would be going backwards. And very upset. Yeah. And very <laughs> yeah. upset. Yep. So, so that's what we've done. We've gone with, with the employment cost index, and, and that'll be 5%. And then we're also adjusting the mileage as we've already, it was, we just outlined. Yes. Yep. And I think this is a fair way to try to one compensate our employees for what's happening but it's also a fair way for us to try and control our costs there's a fixed and a variable portion of our costs here that's happening and we do have a little bit of control over the mileage because we do control how far people drive in the course of a day so so if we just had like a 10 second summary on what we're doing here with the cost of living adjustment with, with the three things so the mileage is going to be increasing for the folks who drive more than 25 miles a day initially to 40 cents and then and then, yep, but $0.45 cents this week because yep. of how quickly gas prices are going up. And everyone is going to get a cost of living adjustment of 3%. Which is a total of 5% for which 2021. Which is a total of 5% for 2021. And if you're traveling, you're still going to have your own hotel room. Single occupancy okay. stays in place. And still have your per diem, yep. Okay. And I guess I would add, as much as we want to stay on top of and keep everybody whole with inflation, it is possible we won't be able to keep up with it. And we're no different than every other company out there. And I shared with people this morning that my husband works for FedEx. and He got no cost of living adjustment last year, and he's not had one this year. So we're fortunate that we try to make that an annual practice, but not every company operates that way. And if we have hyper, what they call hyperinflation, it's not like we can keep up with it. Right. So that back in, I think it was back in early 2010s, there was some pretty high inflation. And then all of a sudden there was negative inflation. Mm-hmm. And we never, when I say high inflation, it was 3 4%. Nothing like what we're seeing right now. Um, but when it went negative, we did not go negative. Oh, yeah. No, I don't. We, we didn't, that. you know, we didn't go and say, okay, we got to take 1.5% away from your pay. So we're trying to normalize it some. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we we don't spike it. We, we're not going to be able to spike it to the seven percent. We decided to go with that employment cost index, and 
and we're following what they say and and uh you know hopefully things will moderate that's I the hope whole so. they they moderate because you know hit upon what tasha said we don't know where it's headed we don't and, know and if seven percent or twenty percent is the number at the end of the day we'd love to be able to do everything right but we've got competitors that frankly won't let us We've got to. We've got yeah, to we have to stay competitive. We've got to stay competitive. So we have to be able to pass this cost on reasonably toward the owners that we work for mm-hmm. through our bid pricing. And right now we've got a large backlog of work that frankly doesn't include uh, a mileage increase or anything like that in it. We have baked in cola increases and those type of things, sure. but certainly the mileage comes off the top. And uh, you know, last year the single occupancy came off the top, but right. we've done a little better job of accounting for that. So, um, and that's again as we talk about these things. I don't want to say they're easy decisions for us, but knowing that those are things that will ultimately erode into our profits, well, but keep our employee owners whole is, is where we go. So They're not easy, easy decisions, but when you know you're doing it for the right reasons. Absolutely. You know, when we look at our purpose and values and say, okay, this this is the right thing to do. Uh, you know, I, it, it, I like having that screen. Yeah. Purpose and values. I do too. I mean, this really is happy news to it share sure with is, everyone. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a good thing. It's yeah, just we're, we're talking about it like it's not happy news, but well, it is I happy think it's news. just because we know that we don't control what's happening yeah. in we're, the economy, and it's yeah. It'd be fair to say I think that we're concerned. I mean, sure. we sit here as a business today. We're very healthy. Um, we've been profitable. We're growing. I mean, a lot of great things. A ton of great things happen around here. But for people like myself, and I think the three of us. I also like to have a little control over how that goes. And, and these we are things we, a lot over the last and two years. we haven't had much and they're things that ultimately we can't control. So yeah. to have a little nervousness surrounding it would be, it's just healthy. If we weren't nervous right now, I don't think we'd be doing our jobs very well. And I think, you know, as a company, we are talking about we're resilient and what we really would like to do is see all the employee owners be resilient on an individual basis. Yes. Too. Yep. I, I want to think that everybody has a little safety net that it, you know, you can t- withstand the blows. I know that's not the case, but that's so what we'd like. That's what I would really like if, you know, when you get your tax refund, put some in the savings, you get your 10% profit sharing, put a little in the savings, right. you know, get a, get a little, you know, forced savings going. I know I sound like a broken record and, but I just know that if you have a little bit of something in savings, you, it's not it reduces as stressful. Stress right, right. That's right. Well, I'll tell you what, let's move on here. I, th- I, I know this is this sub these subjects have been uh they've been a we've talked about them a lot the three of us and and I appreciate the leadership you guys uh, you know put on display and and getting these things done and and the work you put into it you know the building the examples and and everything it's it's not it's not nothing. I, I really do appreciate that, and I know our people do also. Yeah, and I, I do want to thank Tasha. I mean, Herbie mentioned she took the lead on this, but she put a lot of time, effort, and energy into it and really kind of gave us a paint-by-numbers version to be able to go through and understand it and digest it. So it made yep. the decision-making process a lot easier when you have good information in front of you. Well, I thank you for saying that, but honestly, it's my pleasure because I do genuinely care about all of our people, and you know, I want to see them treated well. Absolutely. I'm glad you have your name tag on. Yeah, no. I felt like I needed to be like everybody else and have a name tag on this morning. In oh. the spacious podcast studio, eh? No, I'm going back over the super okay. foreman meeting, and they all, all right. have theirs on. Enough of this foolishness. <laughs> on to the safety topic. We've, we've already got uh, 33 minutes going here. 
Safety topic with Arthur Herbest. Hey, good morning, everyone. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm glad you got to watch all that sausage get made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, a couple of things we want to talk about. A couple of weeks ago, Cam was on and gave us some details about 2022. But uh, the reason I'm here is Cam and I and Justin talk. And Cam's always on the podcast giving us topics. So we want to share the load. So every, every other week, we're going to rotate. So next time we have safety topic, Justin will be on. And Cam and myself, uh, I think everybody realized that 2021 was a lot of effort we put into, based in building off 2020 to 2021. We saw a tremendous improvement in our safety efforts, and a lot of people measure safety success by the number of recordables, and I think that's what is common in the construction industry. Mm-hmm. And if we look at that, we did well last year. We had a number of our uh, near misses and property damage we're going to address. So given the 30,000 view of 2022, what we're going to do is, Cam mentioned we're going to hire a safety specialist for the New Hampshire and Southern Maine region. I'm going to take over the Bangor and Northern Maine region. We're going to hire a person to help us with a CDL, and people don't realize how complicated to manage the CDL and federal motor carrier. It's a full-time job. A couple other things that Justin, Cam, and I have talked about is our safety committees. As most of people know, we have a safety committee covering each state. And for a while, we got really black. We didn't know what to do with it. It was just a meeting to have a meeting and wasn't productive. But that's what we don't want that. We want the safety committee to be a productive group to share information. Yeah. And we want it to be kind of like a, a place to go from the field to the management and help get questions. So we've already had a meeting with uh, New Hampshire and Maine last week, two weeks ago. We got some good push where we're going to go. So you're going to see some changes on that coming out. So the, there's some software changes too. Yes. I know we've, we've been instituted Nixon, and I, right now we're missing the training on Nixon as we record the podcast, but that's okay. This was a priority. And um, – you mentioned uh, hiring someone to take care of the CDL world, the the uh, uh, you know the driver records, and making sure that we're all up to up to snuff, and and that position is one that we we felt like we needed. You know, when that opportunity came up, the Cam so it came in to see the three of us, and and we said, yeah, let's we need to do this. Um, so so looking forward to that, and and having some structure around that. And I think that that individual will be able to help us in a lot of different ways and not just the CDL world and, and that compliance. Um, and, and adding somebody to New Hampshire, I think, you know, when you take a company our size uh, and we've in effect got two and a third people in the safety department, Justin being HR recruiting and safety in, in the Mid-Atlantic, Justin Embry, that, that's not many. Right. So... Uh, you know, we, we made the commitment to, to add that person to the New Hampshire Southern Maine, and uh, we're also looking to get a couple interns, uh, one here and one, one down in Virginia. Uh, just we think that's, Eric, you've said it before, it's, it's, it's good help to have around. They could do a lot of the tasks uh, that, that take Cam and, and us out of the weeds Absolutely. And, and keep us managing. And, uh, it, and, and it's good for them to do that work 
because that's that's the basis. It's kind of the same as you know what we do with interns in the field. Absolutely, we want them to learn construction first, and then they can learn the management piece. I, I think it's a great thing to well, one be adding a safety specialist um, just to increase the number of touch points out there with safety with everyone. Arthur was trying to cover an awful large territory, and you know, as you know, our territory covers us in all areas of that territory. We're it's everywhere. Big territory. Big territory. Um, so I think that's very important. The interns, uh, to me, interns, it's a great extended job interview. Uh, it's something I heard you say years ago, Herb, too, that even if these folks come to work for us and they don't stay here but they go somewhere else in the industry, it's just building the industry up, right. too, by getting people into the industry. So I think that's important. Um, the federal motor carrier and CDL laws, uh, this is no joke. Having somebody hired on to do this, we had someone kind of fall into our lap, is a is a big deal. I think this is going to be a big deal to help us get into compliance and just stabilize some of our safety side of things. And, and that was the talk that we had was, you know, one of our core values is investing in people and maximizing our resources. That our resources was limited so we can get out there and help our people be more available to some of the smaller projects. A lot of my time was spent on the bigger projects, but the little projects mean just as much. Those people just mean as much safety to us as the guys Absolutely. on the big ones. That's so. for sure. Just because they're on a small project right. doesn't mean right. we don't care about them. No, and we want to m- realize that that you do mean something to us, and we want to be there for a resource. We just needed that. So we're investing in our people, and we're maximizing our resources that are available. Well, I, I've seen uh, you and, and Cam and, and Justin, but mainly you and Cam because you're here in Maine, uh, you know, doing a lot of work with workforce advancement as well, doing a lot of conversations with operations. And uh, we recognize, and I appreciate Cam digging into the stats, but we recognize that 50% of our injuries last year were with new employees. Um, so there's an area right there that we can improve upon from the onboarding to making sure that we have touch points of those people in the field and they're being indoctrinated into our safety policy correctly. And having that next person helping Southern Maine and New Hampshire and gives us that focus, another point of resource to check on and people to make sure we get everything on all the tools that they need. Yep. Sure. Well, thank you, Arthur, for coming in and giving us an update on that. We're going to move on to shout-outs. I'm first. first. Your, your name's first. <laughs> yeah, Justin Porter. Shout-out to dozer operator Chris Pollard. For the second time, Chris has temporarily given up his spot in the dozer to train Trent Lyle in the scraper and allowing another operator to get a spot in the dozer. Chris is a very talented operator and is always the first person to volunteer to mentor those around him. Thanks for your enthusiasm to mentor and develop other employee owners. You're a great leader and a true team player. I love that one. Nice. I have a shout-out from John Netto, and it's a shout-out to the rock-hammering, rock-digging, rock-star Dedham Solar Crew. I wasn't <laughs> sure if I'd get that out. You did that well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you might get the impression there's some rock over there. There's some rock, <laughs> rock stars. And don't forget the managing musicians, Jim Braley and Matt Chambers, and, of course, the one that keeps us all straight, Miss Gail Tebow. Yeah, that's a tough sight over there in Dedham. A lot of rock to hammer, and uh, things are progressing along, so good job by everybody. Uh, last shout-out is from Adam Teenan. He'd like to give a shout-out to Dylan Carmichael. He's really taken ownership in the box conduit install at Bat Cove West. He has a great understanding of the process, constantly working to move the job forward and do it safely. I appreciate his commitment to the job and his crew throughout the winter. And Dylan has really developed here in the last couple of years and done a fine job, so that's a great shout-out from Adam. Let's give him a hand. All right, so we move on to Prices Right. We got to get that music coming on. Mm-hmm. 
see there's a little symbol here, right? Oh. I didn't hear it. I it got edited I, out. I, I, I can't hear that well anyway, so. I think he made that up. All right. Maybe I did. So what if I did? <laughs> it's your podcast. It's your you podcast. Do what you, you want. Do what you want. That's right. We're just uh, guests. What is the cost of a set of tires for a 35-ton or articulated hard haul truck? All right, you got me. On <laughs> <laughs> it's my podcast. You're not supposed to do that. Let's say ADT. How's yeah, that sound? ADT. Okay. Uh, 16 guesses, and I, I made the put on here. Should we make a rule? You can only guess if you give a shout-out. But then we were afraid we'd get just hollow shout-outs. Yeah, we don't want that. No, or shout-outs for people we don't even know. We want genuine, meaningful shout-outs. We shout want outs. genuine, meaningful shout-outs. I know there's a lot more than what we More get. than three. Uh, but we do have 16 guesses on this. They range from a low Derek Trueworthy with $3,875. To a high, Jeff Costello, Jeff Costello, forty-seven thousand six hundred seventy dollars. And by the way, this is for a set of six tires. Ken Thurlow, twenty-two thousand nine hundred twenty-seven dollars and twenty-six cents. So close, but he's just over. Just over. He's always right there, though. He's very I don't know how good. How many times he's won this thing? But the next, I think these guys talk a lot. You think so? I know they talk a lot. They work together a lot, and I think they talk a lot because Randall King's at $22,155. Hey, you said I was going to get something. No, I said you got to say the actual price. Oh, oh, okay. Do we want to take our toys and go home? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. This inflation thing's really got our bother. (laughs) (laughs) That was my turn. Okay, and and as as promised, Tasha with the actual price twenty two thousand eight hundred dollars, which makes Randall King the winner. Congratulations, Randy! At twenty two thousand one hundred and fifty five dollars. Congratulations, Randall! Believe it or not, we're better at our jobs than podcasts. I just want to <laughs> say, I'm glad I was invited to this yeah, one. I, have, I haven't shed the the amateur status of this podcast thing yet. So next week, what we want to know is what is the company-wide cost during 2021 of single occupancy rooms, hotel rooms? Company-wide cost. Company-wide cost. That's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Are we going to give any hints? It's a lot of money. More than a dollar, less than $5 million? I'd, I'd go one to three. One to three. That's fair. One million to three million. You've got your range. Right. Um, so that's next week. Company-wide, single-occupancy hotel. No real announcements this week, except I just wanted to I just want to make a comment here. We're, we're here with the foreman and superintendents all week, and unfortunately we don't have them all with us. We don't have the Mid-Atlantic crew, and I'm disappointed about that, but understanding they've got a lot of work down there, and, mm-hmm. and it was almost impossible to pull them up here for this. Um, really miss those guys. Me too. Um, and I, I really miss the interaction of those guys with the other guys, Absolutely. especially the, since this is the first meeting since 2020 for two years. And the last meeting we had was the first time we had all the supers and foreman together. Yeah, and it was great. So mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to that. Uh, so we miss you guys from the Mid-Atlantic. and want to let you know that. But we're also just thrilled to have the, the crew that we do have. And... Uh, 
just so um, grateful. Me too. And I do want to acknowledge that some of them are trying to both keep their job running and attend part of the meetings. And I, I admire them for that commitment to be with the group, right. and but also their commitment to their job and the people who are, are you know, behind running it. And I, I can see them kind of cycling in and out and still keeping things going. And they act cool and calm and collected, but I'm sure that that's not easy. Yeah, every time we're breaking, yeah. they're running for the door and getting on the phone. Yeah, making sure. And some are driving, you know, a couple of hours to still keep their projects going, and I just admire them. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I feel very blessed with this group of people. They just genuinely care about the company. They're really awesome. Well, and I wanted to comment, the first couple of days, these meetings can be tough. I mean, they're a long day. We're typically there for about 10 hours, and... For people like the three of us, we're used to being in an office, we're used to being in meetings throughout the day, but if you're out in the field working, it's not always what you're geared towards to sit in a meeting for 10 hours and uh, to see the level of engagement that we've seen out of people, I think Especially been, my session. Especially, oh, well, they they even, were all they about clapped. my session. They even clapped they even after your session. Well, I went over to one of the guys that was sleeping while you were talking. <laughs> no. I said, I said, is she keeping you up? And he said, well, just barely. Yeah. They, uh, I went over to one of the other guys that was sleeping, and yeah, no, it just kept I don't going. Think so. but, I think they were right. But on they've it. been they've been great, and uh, we did a quick exercise, and not everybody was in the room, and the exercise got started a little bit late after a couple tables. But uh, if everyone was in the room over there, and we had counted all the tables, I'm going to tell you there's probably close to 900 years of experience yep. sitting in that room. And uh, I do want to give a particular shout out to Clayton White. Uh, Clayton was right there, sitting front oh, yeah. and center in front of Herb, and. Uh, this is Clayton's 51st year 51st with the company, year, he said, yeah. um, and to see him come back year after year and bring the value that he does, and you know he's got a lot of value in those meetings as he's talking about some historical things with the well, company. Well, and, and I just know from having worked with Clayton when I was a young guy, and we're not that far apart in age, but uh, you know he had 10, 12 years on me when I started, and just knowing what he does, knowing Clayton's mo is leave things better than you found them leave things so the next guy that comes in behind you can go right to work. Yep. He doesn't have to figure things out. He has to stake things out. It's already that, that was Clayton. I mean, that was his hallmark. Yep. Look at the story he told us yesterday about Auburn airport. He was passionate about yes, that. He was yeah. Yeah. Very passionate. And <laughs> an issue, an issue that the owner yep. um, didn't want to fix. Wouldn't let us change. Wouldn't let us change. And uh, Clayton's still losing sleep over that. <laughs> yep. I even, I even joked, right. I even joked right. he was going to leave the meeting to sneak in at night just to change the manhole covers out himself. But, well, I'm going to uh, give Clayton a quick hand. Yeah. And I do want to say just in terms of the subject matter, um, to sit in that meeting and we talk a lot about lessons learned and superintendents get up and talk about those and foremen. Uh, we're talking about mentoring. We're talking about safety. We're talking about a lot of things to see the value that everyone in that room is bringing when they're sharing experiences that they've had both good and bad experiences and to teach that throughout the organization to hear some of the people in the room with less experience hear that it's just invaluable time spent. I think. Well, we call it lessons learned. Absolutely. Yes. What, what I got too is out in the field to interact with some of the junior foremen and watch their growth. You know, I've seen like, Spencer Whittemore over three years, holding Kimbo, and the new junior foreman coming in and the in, um, energy they want to yeah. do right and what follow our core group. values. You can see that on display down there, Absolutely. I think. Yes, you can. I want to give a shout-out to the three of you for, um, and in particular, Eric. You really um, started planning this week. Um, so I think maybe it was, since I've been here, the best planned week. And then also there's a whole group of people who really put quite a bit of effort to try mm. to put on a good program. All the, you know, Amy coming in and Cam has put in a ton of effort mm -hmm. to try to have this be a great week for everyone. But um, also the shout out to Miss Kim Ryan. 
Yeah. Nothing happens around here no. that she doesn't plan. And I'm so thankful for her. Sure. She is always behind the scenes making sure that everything's set up just right. And she's like, I want them to have a good meal. I mean, I don't know if people realize how uh, she gets caring into it. she is. And then know? last Friday, she showed up in my office with a box that had all the agendas, all the sign-up sheets, all that. And it was just easy peasy, mac and cheesy. There it was. And uh, definitely appreciate uh, Kim. And frankly, I stumbled through with a couple things yesterday. And I think you looked at me, Herb, and said, you know, if you ask him, she can do that stuff for you. And uh, <laughs> I said, yeah. yeah, I need to ask him. So yeah. thank you, Kim. Thank Kim you, is Kim. awesome. Thank you, Kim. Okay, that's going to wrap us up. I won't stumble. Take a minute to think about that. So yeah. wrapping up, uh, I said it last week, uh, you know, with all with all the stuff going on in the world, uh, let's just be kind to each other. Take a moment to understand the other people that you're talking to. Everybody's got a lot going on in their lives right now, uh, just besides work. Uh, kindness doesn't cost a thing. And uh, just keep looking out for each other. We're setting up for a great season. And let's bring it home, not just from a profitability and execution standpoint. Let's bring it home from safety. Let's bring it home from quality. And uh, above and beyond all else, zero accidents. That's, that's all I was looking for, by the way. I was going to say, gosh, <laughs> you nailed it. I say ditto. That was awesome. Just just know that we care about you guys and we're, you know, in hearts, we're right there with you. And, and, and uh, the, the time you guys, we put into this subject of this podcast, really, I hope the message comes across how much we care. Yes. yes. We do. Zero accidents. Zero accidents. Who are you Zero mentoring today? Accidents. She got it in. <laughs> Sorry.